1: Hey guys, it's Lizzie. Sorry about my scratchy voice. It is cold season. Please bear with me.
2: Get updated with a developing story out of San Francisco this morning. A hit and run driver struck a woman on Market Street and then a driverless car ran over her. This was the police.
1: The crash took place on October 2nd in downtown San Francisco. After the hit and run driver left, the woman was somehow pinned underneath a cruise autonomous vehicle. You can hear the horror in the voice of this paratransit driver, Lee Goines, when he describes finding her.
3: I stooped down, you know, and I start asking, finding out whether or not this person, hello, hello, are you okay, okay? Then the person start moaning. As you see, there's still blood here. The person start moaning, and then I raised up and I start yelling, "Anybody call the police? Anybody call the police?" Three people
1: no. The woman was eventually freed using the jaws of life and is reportedly still in the hospital. But what we didn't know until this week is that the cruise car did not just stop on top of her after she'd been hit by the other driver. According to California's Department of Motor Vehicles, the cruise did something else, something that almost certainly made the situation worse.
3: After the pedestrian was trapped underneath the cruise vehicle, the cruise vehicle tried to move to the side of the street with the pedestrian trapped underneath, uh, traveling 20 feet at 7 miles per hour.
1: That's David Zipper, a visiting fellow at Harvard's Kennedy School. David has written extensively about autonomous vehicles, including here at Slate.
3: And there's video of this that allegedly cruise did not share with the DMV Nor did Cruz share it with at least one reporter at TechCrunch, who uh, saw the video from Cruz that was presented as being the full story, but omitted that section where the Cruz vehicle was moving to the curb with this poor pedestrian trapped underneath it.
1: And this led to a startling development on Tuesday the California DMV suspended Cruz's permits to operate driverless cars in the state, effective immediately. Then, late Thursday night, another major twist. Cruz announced that it was halting all its driverless operations everywhere. Today on the show, is this crisis for Cruz an existential threat to the entire driverless car industry?
0: Dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
1: Autonomous vehicles, aka driverless or self-driving cars, have been a feature on the roads of San Francisco since early 2022. The most prominent companies are Cruise, which is backed by General Motors, and Waymo, which is part of Alphabet. And in San Francisco, they operate as robo-taxis.
3: It's basically like a Uber or Lyft vehicle without a driver. You use your phone to summon it, the car comes over to pick you up, and then it brings you where you want to go and drives off. It just doesn't have anybody in the driver's seat. It's instead using sensors and computers and cameras to be able to navigate the streets without a driver.
1: Before this week, how many of them were on the road in San Francisco?
3: As of early August, the most recent data I've seen suggests that there were several hundred uh, in the ballpark of 300 cruise vehicles in San Francisco. Now, importantly, in mid-August, the California Public Utilities Commission, not the DMV, I mentioned there's two agencies, very confusing, um, but the California PUC granted a request from Waymo and Cruz to uh, basically expand their services as much as they want in the Bay Area, as many vehicles as they want, even though that is not, that is actually something that the public leadership of San Francisco, the police, the fire, the transportation department, public leaders were all saying, please don't do this. This is not safe. It's not what's in the best interest of our city. The California POC just effectively overruled them. And then we ended up with all these problems that led the DMV to crack down.
1: How do cruise AVs differ from Waymo ones, that Waymo is owned by Google? Do, do they?
3: There, there's a lot of ways in which companies are going to differ. Some of it depends on how the technology works. Some of it's going to depend on how they handle uh, certain situations from a safety perspective. Um, It can get quite technical. um, But what I can say, just having looked at the data provided by the city of San Francisco, is that Cruise seems to get into a lot more bad situations than Waymo. Waymo gets into some, don't get me wrong, But Cruise seems to maybe have a higher risk tolerance for blocking traffic or messing stuff up than its major competitor.
1: The last time we had you on the show, we talked about some of the weird things that these cars had done. And they seem to range from the terrifying to like, The kind of funny, like I remember we talked about a bunch of cars would continuously get stuck in like this little cul-de-sac in San Francisco and the neighbors were going insane.
3: At several points today, they showed up on top of each other. These cars packed with technology, stopping in a queue as if completely baffled by a dead end. Um, What
1: what have they done? Can you tell me kind of a a rough list?
3: (laughs) Sure. I mean, it does range from the terrifying, like crashing into a fire engine on the way to an emergency response. Once again, a cruise auto driving taxi is causing problems for firefighters. This time, a crash with a fire truck and with a passenger inside. Cruise to the story. deeply annoying, like doing a parade in a cul-de-sac or uh, creating, you know, gridlock on, on a street. I hear all these horns blowing and I look out and there's all these driverless cars lined up all the way down Vallejo here. Uh, or halting a muni bus that can't get around the, the vehicles that have halted in front of it. Then they get into the just sort of like silly and funny, but still revealing, like the cruise vehicle that drove into wet cement and got itself stuck there, (laughs) which, by the way, happened days after the California PUC in all of its wisdom, decided to give totally open access to San Francisco to cruise as well as Waymo. You think, great. Yeah, clearly the technology is working perfectly when a car is going to get itself stuck in the wet cement something that I don't know any human driver has done in recent memory that I'm, I've I've talked to at least.
1: Well, let's talk about this weird regulatory structure thing. In August, state regulators voted to allow self-driving car companies to to expand their operations in San Francisco, other parts of California, um, and, and to charge people for robo-taxis. The city of San Francisco said, whoa, 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 don't do that. Can you lay out the positions of these two different regulatory
3: bodies? Basically, in California, you have the Department of Motor Vehicles that, as you might imagine, is responsible for overseeing the safety of motor vehicles, including like the vehicle run by Cruz or by Waymo. Then you have an entirely separate entity called the California Public Utilities Commission, which handles utilities, right? But Because of some basically, because it already manages ride hail, which is a whole other issue. I'm not sure it should manage ride hail, but it does. The CPUC manages the operations of robo taxis or oversees the operations of fare collection, ride hail like robo taxi services. So basically, you need these robo taxi companies like Waymo and Cruise, and there's a couple others, they need approval from both groups to be able to provide Hmm. robo-taxi services that they are in San Francisco.
1: Why do these two agencies seem to see things so differently?
3: Great question. Um, I want to be careful not to speculate too much, but um, it is jarring that it was really the PUC, let me put it this way, the, the Public Utilities Commission is the one that has been in the spotlight over the summer with the city of San Francisco saying, we don't want any more of these robo-taxis because they're messing stuff up and creating a public safety problem. Uh, and, but it's and, but then the PUC members, it's, I think it's five uh, members of the board who vote. One of them, by the way, is an ex-Cruz uh, General Counsel. It's interesting to note, who did not recuse himself from voting on these matters, by the way. Um, but it's the, the PUC basically decides how many vehicles can operate. And the PUC decided in August, it's okay to let Waymo and Cruz operate an unlimited number of vehicles. The DMV didn't really have any big decisions this summer related to robo-taxis, despite uh, all this new controversy that really has erupted in the Bay Area just in the last five months. Um, The DMV sort of inserted itself into this saga over the last two months, first by having the number of Robo taxis that, that crews could operate in late August, and now by outright banning them. Um, and I should note, Lizzie, this actually this news came um just a few hours ago as we're recording this. In the wake of the DMV revoking the permit for crews to operate robo taxis in California, the CPUC did the same thing. So now you've got both entities that are saying to crews, you lack authority from us to operate in California but it's the DMV that went first.
1: Is this all about this October 2nd incident that we talked about, or are there other layers there?
3: That's a good question. Um, Cruz is saying it's about the October 2nd incident, and some of the coverage has said that. I am skeptical of that position. I think there's a lot more going on here at the DMV, and part of my, my reason for thinking that is that it's only about six weeks ago that the DMV forced Cruise to have the number of robo taxis in operations hmm. in San Francisco at a time when Cruise was ramping up to expand in a big way. So there were clearly problems the DMV saw before this October second incident occurred.
1: One of the things that I think is so striking here, when we talk about this October second crash, is what the DMV said about it. The idea that the cruise car, you know, tried to stop, but apparently kept moving with this woman underneath it. And the DMV says the department only learned of the AV's subsequent movement via discussion with another government agency, which really is kind of shocking. Like, oh, well, we only heard about this because our buddies at X agency told us.
3: That is what it sounds like. And I think we're going to hear more about that. And if you read between the lines of that press release to put, uh, to put it bluntly, it sounds like the DMV is pissed off. Mm. Um, and it's understandable why. Um, but also I want to be clear, this is not a, like he, a a, like emotion driven move necessarily. If you step away and even look beyond the potential, um, misleading footage shared by, by Cruz, it actually is really serious thing. If, If the the cruise vehicle was programmed in such a way that even with somebody trapped underneath, a pedestrian trapped underneath, the vehicle didn't know that you could worsen those injuries or even kill someone by moving. That's something that is a huge public safety issue um, because it is highly unusual for a pedestrian to be trapped under a vehicle, but it does happen. And even putting aside whether crews shared the the footage in, in a complete way or not, Um, there's going to be some real questions about the extent to which these sorts of vehicles are safe if the computer is programmed to do something so potentially catastrophically dangerous uh, in a situation like what happened on October 2nd.
1: When we come back, Cruise pulls its driverless cars off the road.
2: Thursday night,
1: Cruz put out an update on X, formerly known as Twitter, saying, the most important thing for us right now is to take steps to rebuild public trust. The company added, we have decided to proactively pause driverless operations across all of our fleets.
3: I think I saw it about 10 minutes after it was posted, and I was like, okay, this is a very big deal. Um, And because that affects they already couldn't do driverless operations in California because of what the DMV and CPUC had done. But this also affects cruise operations in other cities like Austin and Phoenix, seemingly Miami, and potentially other cities too, where they were on the verge of launching like, like Nashville and places like that. Now, to be clear, cruise—you still if you're, you're in California or elsewhere, you still may see cruise vehicles on the street because cruise will still operate these robo-taxis, if there's a safety driver behind the front seat. But Cruz has voluntarily, seemingly, uh, pulled all driverless vehicles nationwide.
1: What did you think when you saw this tweet?
3: I thought probably an inevitable move, but also possibly a savvy one, because I saw somebody Say this is sort of like a McKinsey PR tactic, <laughs> which is an interesting way to put it, and probably not, not not crazy to say this is a way of trying to regain the moral high ground and to put the spotlight someplace else off of cool. them for the time being. Um, but but the real question—I mean, they already were in such a, a deep hole. In some ways, I wonder if they're trying to say, just give us everything bad now, so that we can try to potentially come back with a clean slate in a couple months. Um, that's, that's sort of how I read it. Um, but whether they can and do come back is another story entirely.
1: Yeah. Is this an existential threat for cruise?
3: I think it's an existential threat for the entire AV industry. I'll go even further. Really? Yeah, I do. Um, it's absolutely an existential threat for cruise because they are bringing, uh, I mean they're not doing any driverless, driving at all at a time when they're supposed to be ramping up service and at a time when their parent company, General Motors, with an 80% stake is facing a auto workers strike and higher interest rates and is not necessarily going to have unlimited patience with this apparent problem child. Uh, so it's certainly, a, as somebody put it to me, an extinction-level event potentially for crews. The bigger question is what this means for the robotaxi taxier AV industry overall. And I think it's really serious there, too, because just like what happened in 2018 when Elaine Hertzberg was struck and killed by the prototype Uber uh, self-driving car, a lot of people are not going to distinguish between uh, what Cruise and Waymo or Motional and other AV companies. Um, I had a this was a few weeks ago when Cruise already had developed a reputation for being f- playing fast and loose with safety that someone uh, I've known for years in the AV industry said to me, uh, I really wonder if Cruz is, is ending up fragging the entire AV sector.
1: Because this thing is so bad.
3: Yeah. And and if you want to say it like, and now in the last couple of days, we're recording this on Friday, uh, it was a, a few days after uh, the DMV in California made its big move. Um, just a couple days ago, there was a Los Angeles City Council member who did a big press event where she said, "I want to be clear: robo taxis don't belong in this city. They're unsafe." Not San Francisco, Los Angeles, where Cruise is planning to expand or was.
1: This is a multi-billion-dollar industry. If you are at Waymo or one of the other AV companies trying to process all of this information, are you thinking my business is toast? Or are you thinking, I'm going to try and save it?
3: I think if you're at Waymo or the other companies, and you can see this if you read some of the coverage in the New York Times and and other places where leaders are 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 quoted in the AV sector, um, the, the folks at Waymo and those who believe in AVs are trying to draw a very bright line between Cruise and other players, saying, well, Cruise may play fast and loose, but they're, they're, that's them. We would never do that. And by the way, Lizzie, we saw the same thing five years ago after that that horrible crash in Tempe, Arizona with Elaine Hertzberg. Um, so, there, so I think Waymo is going to do everything it can to say we're not like them, which is, and to be fair, I think there's some legitimacy to that point. Whether it actually works in the public arena is, uh, or can, it really resonates is, is, is another question. Yeah. So I think we'll see how that plays out and if that line of of sort of, con- of argument really, really holds. And I'll tell you something else. If I were Waymo, I'd be extremely frustrated right now, not only because they weren't involved in that horrific crash on October 2nd in San Francisco, but also this week, Waymo just announced this huge integration that I'm sure they've been working on for a very long time in Phoenix, Arizona, where you can now Uh, get a Waymo self-driving car or robo-taxi in Phoenix when you request an Uber. You have the option sometimes just having Waymo come. It's this very big deal integration between Waymo and Uber that I'm sure Waymo wishes was getting a lot more attention right now instead of having all eyeballs focused on Cruise, which is having the week from hell. Um, So there's a lot of uh, sort of spillover damage affecting other players and affecting the AV industry from what Cruz is going through at the moment.
1: What are you going to be watching now?
3: Um, I'm going to be watching what other states do. There was a story in Reuters that Arizona DOT says they're extremely concerned about what's happening in California. They're watching closely, which makes me wonder if maybe Cruz was trying to get ahead of that when they uh, pulled pulled their uh, driverless cars nationwide. So I want to see what other state DOTs do. Um, I want to see how national politicians and local politicians outside of San Francisco um, respond to this. Places like Miami and Austin, are they going to join the chorus from the Bay Area of police, fire, and transportation leaders who say, we don't need this here. We don't want this here. It's not safe. That could really nationalize what has been a Bay Area debate largely, though not exclusively, for the, for 2023 and could seriously jeopardize a lot of other players as well.
1: One of the big selling points of AVs from their boosters is humans make mistakes, humans get distracted, humans do stupid things. Robo-taxis do not have that problem. They're not thinking about daycare pickup and, you know, whatever distraction or looking at their phones. How much do we know about whether AVs, writ broadly, compare to cars driven by people?
3: We really don't know. That's the right question to ask, Lizzie. Um, And we really don't know. Uh, We don't have really apples-to-apples peer-reviewed studies by academics that can really tell us just how much safer uh, robo-taxis are compared to human drivers, because it requires really being thoughtful about how you set this up. Cruise and Waymo will argue that they're already safer than human drivers, but those assertions have been uh, hotly debated by external academic experts. Um, so it is it is TBD. Let's put it that way. And and I think a sort of like simple way of explaining why it's TBD is that you know yeah it's true that a robot car is not going to drive drunk or drive distracted in the way that we as humans sometimes may, uh, but when you have a robot car, they're going to make have computer error. They're going to basically make mistakes because of flaws in their algorithms or because uh, the sensors don't work right or whatever it is, and you end up with them behaving in ways that are dangerous in situations where a human driver wouldn't have a problem really at all. And perhaps, I don't want to go too far here, but perhaps what happened on October 2nd is an example of that where, again, the pedestrian got dragged for 20 feet underneath a robo-taxi that was trying to just get to the side of the of the street where a human driver probably would have realized, oh my God, there's someone underneath the car and you just halt. So the point is, we don't know whether autonomous vehicles are safer than uh, than, than human-driven vehicles. And that requires data analysis that we just don't have yet. It could go either way.
1: What would it take to know?
3: It would require being able to compare a whole lot of miles driven by robo-taxis and human drivers in the similar uh, types of streets and under similar conditions, times of day, same sort of, of urban format or rural format, whatever it is, and you want to be thinking about which types of drivers you're comparing the robo-taxi to so that you aren't, for instance, doing what Cruise does, which is to compare It's robo-taxis to ride-hail vehicles, which may not be the best comparison because ride-hail drivers are going to be operating a lot of the time on weekend evenings where driving is more dangerous. And ride-hail drivers are also kind of in a rush a lot of the time to to get to places. They're not necessarily a proxy for the average human driver. So that's what you really need to figure out how to do an apples-to-apples comparison. And Mm. we don't really have that yet.
1: You have been critical of this industry for some time. And, and I wonder if there is a way to zoom out, and maybe it's too soon, but to think about this moment. Is this the beginning of the end? Is it a, pardon the very bad pun, speed bump? Is you know, is it is it something truly significant? Or is it something we will look back on in 15 years and say, and that was the moment things changed and safety standards got higher? I simply don't know.
3: I think there's a really good chance this is an inflection point because Cruise is going to have to do things differently to claw back into the good graces of the California DMV and and CPUC. Maybe that'll, that'll involve a different arrangement with safety drivers. Maybe it'll involve other sorts of data sharing that sort of set a different standard for the robo-taxi industry across other states too. And keep in mind, this is still a very, very early industry. There's there's a lot being figured out. Um, Or maybe it's going to mean that Cruise really can't recover from this and we end up with one fewer uh, major player in the robo-taxi industry. I don't know, but I do think this is a major moment for... Uh, the autonomous vehicle world, and it could be an existential one.
1: David Zipper, as always, it is so great to have you on the show.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's, It's been fun.
1: David Zipper is a visiting fellow at the Harvard Kennedy School's Taubman Center for State and Local Government where he examines the interplay between transportation policy, technology, and society. All right, that is it for our show today. What Next TBD is produced by Evan Campbell and Anna Phillips. Our show is edited by Jonathan Fisher. Alicia Montgomery is vice president of Audio for Slate. What Next TBD is part of the What Next family. And we're also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, New America, and Arizona State University. And if you like what we are doing here, the best way to support this show is by joining Slate Plus. Just head on over to slate.com slash Plus to sign up. All right, we will be back tomorrow with another show. I'm Lizzie O'Leary. Thanks for listening.